It's May 22nd, 2011, and you're listening to the Architecture Happy Hour. I'm Laura. And I'm Larry. And it's a two-drink minimum, so grab your glass and let's get started. Well, welcome back to... um May, I guess, or back to May. I don't know. They, they never left May, really. That's true. We're oh, more than halfway through. Oh my gosh! Really? I'm, yeah, we're really. When yeah. did that happen? I don't know. It snuck up on us. Yikes! June's around the corner. You're heading off to Indiana. Yes. To see the folks. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, it's Bob's folks, the in-laws, the in-laws mm-hmm. and grandma, and grandma and brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and it'll be a great time. Yeah. No, actually, we're really excited. It's going to be fun. We're actually going up to northern, northeastern Indiana, where there are lakes about every 20 feet. So we're going to be on um, in an area called Pleasant Lake that's teeny tiny right by Angola. And uh, it'll be fun because my little one, who's now more than two and a half, is, uh, you know, hasn't gone and hunted for frogs or gone tromping through the reeds and... (laughs) You know, been a little wilderness boy, so we're going to go have fun doing that. Yeah. Well, so. it's going to be very, very quiet in the office since you're not going to be here. Yeah. Well, it was very, very quiet. What was it? A week and a half ago. A week and a half ago. Yeah, you, know, you were in Colorado seeing your sister and your parents. Well, no, I was thinking because you were in. Oh, because I was in New Orleans. Well, it wasn't quiet for me. Well, no. Well, it's I guess quiet, quiet for, for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, but I survived. Woo-hoo! Yay! You're back. Yeah, actually, it's. One of those things, I, I hate to say I'm proud of it, but I only had one really bad day in New, <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, I went up for the AIA convention. It was in New Orleans, so I had to go. It was just required by law. Yeah, there's not really a choice in yeah. that matter. Anytime mm-hmm. they something's in New Orleans that I can go to, I'll just have to go. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So I only had one really bad day in New Orleans, and that's just yeah. because I had a really fun night the night before, <laughs> but... I am proud to say that I got up and I went to my 7 o'clock in the morning I class. I am beyond impressed yes. for that. Of course, there's a part of me that said, well, what moron decided, hey, why don't we go to 7 o'clock in the morning classes? I could have just skipped and gone to the 8 o'clock. But the, you could have gone and had beignets and just, Some coffee you know. and just relaxed. Yeah, all, all, the only <laughs> thing I could think from that morning from my hotel to where the buses picked us up at the other hotel was, I should have a beer, I should have a beer, I should have a beer, <laughs> just to sort of ease myself into the day, but I didn't, and I survived, and, and class actually was really interesting, that was the, the fun part, this is the first year I went, so I... To a national convention. Yeah, to a national convention, yeah. so I didn't know what to expect, and... There's a lot of great classes, yeah, seminars, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and for those of you who have heard us talk about our partner, Holly, she's a little jaded about the... Um, any sort of the conventions where, as she puts it, the old white guys get together and pat themselves on the back. <laughs> yes. Well, there always is a little bit of that. Well, there's right? always a little, yes. little bit of that. And and the general sessions had a bit of that, but for yeah. the most part, it was you know just going to the classes and finding out well, and what's going on. And the tweet-ups and the expos. Yeah. And yeah. There's oh, the, a lot of new kind of fun things, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really interesting experience, and... All I can think is I'm going to go again next year. It's going to be in D.C. So definitely yeah. going to go to that one. I wasn't able to go to this one, but I'm definitely yeah. going to try to get to the next one. Yeah. I will say this. I was surprised at how big the convention center was. 
and they had us hoofing it. Oh yeah, all over the place. All over the place. There was one point um, we were walking to class, and the guy, a couple of people behind me, said, "Are we still in Louisiana?" Because <laughs> I mean, we just went like on and on and on in the the exhibit halls. A through D were the expo. Then E was for the general session, and even the E exhibit hall was huge. I mean, it was giant. Wow. How many people do you think attended? I would think easily a couple of thousand. Yeah. I mean, easily. But um, hard to tell. I mean, you just... And the funny thing is, is, is I got back and realized I didn't see anyone that I really... Well, I saw a couple of people I knew. Yeah. That I knew would be there, but I didn't expect to run into anybody else that I knew. And, of course, I'm at the tweet up and suddenly there's somebody I know from Houston. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's a familiar face. Well, fancy seeing you Imagine here. That. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. Especially on the expo floor. I mean, there's, oh gosh, yeah, know, people from all over the country. People from all over the country and booth after booth after booth. It was amazing. Someone told me that they think it's the largest one they've seen in a while. Oh, good. Yeah. That's a good sign. Pretty impressive. So. Good. So if you haven't figured out, this podcast is going to be about the AIA convention yes, recap. I, so, I guess we should tell you that. Yeah, Larry will be doing a lot of talking, and I'll just uh, tease him every once in a while. And sit here and nod knowingly, mm-hmm, uh -huh, yes, yes. Uh -huh. oh, that's nice. Really? Really, Tell me more about that. <laughs> I'll do my best. Oh, well, thank you. Although we did get a brief recap about it, Holly and I did, and there was some really great stuff, so I'm excited for you to share. Yeah, the... Um, the first general session that I went to was on Thursday. Thomas Friedman was the speaker. And for those of you who don't know Thomas Friedman, he is the writer for the New York, or a writer for the New York Times, not the writer, but a writer for the New York Times. And he had done this book called Hot, Flat, and Crowded, talking about, I won't say overpopulation, but the growing population in the world. And they're expecting it to reach 10.5 billion by 2050. But even more important than that was not just the number of people, but the way they're being concentrated and the structures they're building and how much it's having a drain on the overall energy. Yeah, in overall energy consumption. Yeah. But they judge it by how many, I think it was a writer in the UK described it as how many Americas there are. The example that he gave was he had gone to Doha, Doha, D-O-H-A, probably mispronouncing it, but you'll forgive me, in Qatar. And he'd been going there for a number of years, and the first time he went there, it was this little dirt outpost in the middle of nowhere. And the last time he went, they landed at the airport, he got in the car, and they drove him into town, and his first thought was, oh my God, you people have imported Manhattan. Yeah, because exactly. Because all of the buildings, and he said in exactly like Manhattan, at nighttime, every single building was lit up. All the lights were on, and it's just... You know, that kind of recreation of American cities is what they're talking about, about Americas. The number they came up with is now that there's like eight or eight and a half Americas. Wow. So there's that, that kind of power consumption across the globe, and it's just growing. Yeah, and that's the thing is that it's this multiple of something, but, you know, how efficient is that something? And right. the more times it gets multiplied, the harder it is to control and get it back under yeah. a certain efficiency, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can think about it. Take Manhattan, literally Manhattan, and duplicate it all over the yeah, world. That's amazing. And that's just that kind of, oh my gosh. At the same time, he was talking about there are something like 1.4 billion people who don't have any electricity. 
but he showed a great slide of these kids in somewhere in Africa. God, I want to say Uganda for some reason. Yes, it's it's been a couple of days, so <laughs> the information is not quite all there. But but um, I'm sure it's in his book. They were studying in a airport parking lot. They were sitting underneath the light stanchions with their their textbooks out, studying for school because that's the only place they could get light at nighttime. Oh my gosh! No power in their homes, but they were somehow supposed to do homework and study and educate and. That's what they were kind of stuck with. Wow. Yeah. But the best part, the best thing he said, and I think everyone who's probably involved in the green, quote-unquote, green movement will agree upon, or especially the people who are really devote themselves to sustainability, was the comment that green revolution will have happened when we stop using the word green, when it just becomes a building. It doesn't become a green building. It just becomes a car. It's, it's not a green car. It's just the way get the, done. The, yeah. the way we're doing it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Right now, he said it's a green party. We're having a party. Right. There's Look at this new, new shiny stuff. thing, yes. thing Ooh, we yay. get to play with. And, oh, it doesn't it feel good to do good? And, yeah. Yeah. We can call ourselves green and feel good about ourselves. And at the same time, we're not really doing that much. But it was really interesting. It was a very good talk, and you almost le left depressed. And it was hard. But how much more work we have to do? Well, how much more work there is to do. And at the same time, you kind of left kind of charged up because, you know, if we don't fix it, yeah, we're done. You know, right. it's, it's going to be one of those things that it has to change, and it has to change now. It has to start happening now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he said the, the next big Microsoft or Apple is going to be the company that comes out with cheap, cheap renewable electricity yeah they come out with that technology that we can just turn out electricity where you don't need you don't that need the, huge infrastructure you don't need the coal you don't need yeah. the natural gas you're not using a lot of oil that's going to be the company that's going to be the next microsoft mm -hmm. that's really interesting yeah that's neat it's exciting yeah. yeah so once we got past all the old guys patting themselves on the back <laughs> we, we went right on into the into the speech from thomas friedman and it was really good one of the other classes that I actually attended that day was also about social sustainability and universal design. And it's one of those classes that they put it in this giant room, and maybe 50 people showed up, 75 people showed up. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, you know, for the speakers, it's got to be that kind of crushing, like, nobody wanted to come and hear us talk. We have something to say. Yeah, it's an important topic. Yeah. But that was kind of interesting, and, and I was a little concerned when they got started. I thought, oh, this is going to be really dry. But it's some really interesting stuff Interesting stuff to say. Well, and what was what does all the, those big words mean? Well, social sustainability and universal design, they're talking about, you know, we're talking about universal design as creating buildings that everybody can use, that not just the physically abled, but anybody with a handicap, anybody with a you know, that maybe doesn't understand English. I mean, the whole community can that actually come in. It's intuitive. It's natural, accessible. Mm -hmm. They're applying that to, I guess, social sustainability at the same time, making it that, I guess it really does combine because you've got the, mm -hmm. you know, being able to have it available for the community and sustain itself for the community. And the big example that they used was the Ed Roberts campus in Berkeley, California. Really cool. The, the funny thing is they had done a ramp from the second floor down to the first floor. This big spiral ramp. Holy cow. Yeah, it was incredible. Of course, you know, the, the 
pitch for a ramp is fairly low. Yeah, very So you can imagine low. how long this thing had to be. And they went through the entire presentation and talked about all these things and this building. And at the end of it, almost all the questions <laughs> ended up being about the ramp. Well, how'd you do the ramp? How did it meet ADA? And how did it do this and do that? Is that the building where they have the sculptural water fountain? Yes, they had the, one of the things he was talking about was the the water, using water features as a way to help orient the visually impaired, but at the same time being careful about using them because they can also mask low volume noises like electric cars, which we're wanting to get more into because mm -hmm. we need that sustainability. So nothing like orienting yourself towards a lovely water feature only to get run over by a car. Right, that, yeah, creating hazards of ha other things. Right? right, hazards where you're not really thinking about them. Well, my last class on Thursday turned out to be something that Six o'clock on Thursday, it's the last class. You'd think there would be nobody in it. It was packed. Probably 200, 300 people in this oh class. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it was full. Great presentation, actually called Cities of the Dead, and talked about the cemeteries in New Orleans and restoration and how they maintain them. Learned some very interesting things. Mm -hmm. The crypts that they, you know, because everything's above ground because right. of the water saturation levels. The crypts are kept so that, or I guess the... I don't know, they're not really crypts, but the, I should know what the Mausoleums. word is. Mausoleums? Yeah, whatever. It's the... The tombs? The tombs, I guess. But the tombs are kept so that, are built so that when you have somebody die, it's a family tomb, mm -hmm. you open up the front of it, you take the piece of marble that's keeping it closed, and behind it is actually brick. And mm -hmm. what they've done is, the last time somebody was buried there, they've written the date. So oh, you know what the last time the burial was. Huh. Then they take the brick out... And there's usually two chambers. And they take the body in the top chamber, remove all the bones, <gasps> bag them. Are you kidding me? No. Bag them and put them in the bottom chamber and then put the new body in the top chamber, break it back up, write the date on it, and then ah. seal it back shut until they need it again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I could have gone my whole life without knowing that. It was fascinating. I mean, absolutely fascinating, but... But it was it was also really about the how they maintain them, the calcification and the materials to use. It yeah. was it was really good. The presenters were funny, and like I said, the class was just absolutely. Yeah, packed. you would have to be to be able to present something yeah. like that. Yeah, they go and travel all over the U.S. helping cities wow, restore cemeteries and maintain cemeteries. They talk about how they repair broken headstones and what to do. For example, they were showed a picture of. Uh, tree, the giant tree that had fallen on a on a crypt and had crushed it. The first thought, of course, is we got to get the tree taken off. But they told everyone, don't move the tree. Get everything stabilized. Call an expert out in restoration that can look at it because nine times out of ten, you're removing that tree and you're doing more damage to the crypt or the the broken headstone than you mm -hmm. would if you actually just left it there. Really? Yeah. Do they typically just leave it there? Well, no, I'm mean, saying instead of just... It's kind of like if somebody falls and hurts their neck, don't move them. Yeah, that kind of thing. Until the paramedics get there. Exactly. Because you're going to do more damage. Exactly. All right, I'm with you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but that, that's how I ended. That's ended interesting. Ended Thursday. That was the last class. Well, Friday morning, I actually showed up for a 7 o'clock ADA class. It was given by our friend Marcella Abadi-Rhodes. Hello, Marcella. Hi. Again completely full. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, thought, I was wow. really excited for her for yeah, that. Two hundred and fifty people or something. I mean, it was full, and I was very proud of myself. I sat right up at the front instead of hiding myself in the back like I usually do. I thought, uh -huh. well, I'm here to support Marcella. I'll sit myself up front, and there she gave a great presentation. She was actually a little concerned. She was kind of worried she was going to at the seven o'clock. Yeah, and then she's like, and what is it? Only Texas and California require the ADA. Mm -hmm. um, continuing education credits for their licensing. Yeah. And so she's like, who, you know, how many, realistically, how many California and Texas architects are going to be there that actually need this? And she was kind of like, man, I'm getting jacked. It was <laughs> She was full. concerned. So, yeah. yeah, that's really great. That well, and too, busy. I think she was concerned that she was, wasn't going to finish in time. Oh. Yeah, you know, she's like, oh, I've got to do this in an hour. And she there's actually, so much to talk about. So I've been to, to a couple about, yeah. of her talks, and yeah, yeah, she's able to get through everything. I think the, the last like five minutes was really rushed, and she had to stay behind to answer questions for people. But I also know she had to catch a flight that morning, right? So, to give her presentation, answer questions, get in the cab, go to the airport, take off, right? Well, and it's a big deal because the new ADA just came out, and we're kind of in this transition time. And Texas has got it's all goofy because we're waiting for. The Texas legislation to to adopt our version if they're going to make any changes and so what is the Texas the Texas TDLR? Texas yeah Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation and they're the ones that tell us whether Texas is going to have a different version or yeah. not yeah. yeah which we probably will because we do now it's just how do those things impact the current version Right. But stuff is supposed to be getting easier. The big thing for me was that some of the diagrams in the old ADA and the yeah. the Texas Accessibility Standards as well were sort of confusing. You had to read, like, if X is Y, you know, X equals this and Y is that, but they've really gotten the diagrams down so that you don't have to try to guess if you're yeah, doing it correctly. Yeah, less interpretation. It's less interpretation, yeah, which is good. really good. Really, really, really good class. Good. So yay, Marcella. Yay. Yay. <laughs> One of the other really fun things for me <laughs> as a residential architect was going to a sort of informational meeting. It was about two hours, but it was for the Custom Residential Architects Network, which is a new knowledge community within the AIA that will just focus on what it says, custom residential architects. We typically had been clumped in with the housing group. Yeah, which doesn't quite fit. Doesn't quite well fit they because hoped. they have mostly multifamily. The big mm -hmm. companies are doing these multifamily or dorms, that sort of stuff. So we got lost along the way somewhere. But they started this group about 2005 or 2006 in Las Vegas. They have been self-funded. They've been providing their infrastructure to make the group work and to grow the group. And finally, the AIA said to them, let's make you part of the knowledge community like realized we're missing a great opportunity. Let's get them into yeah. the national organization. So they've become their own knowledge community. It was a lot of fun, and it was interesting to hear other people's take about architecture, especially especially residential architecture and how they're practicing or how they're not practicing. One guy was talking about it would be nice if everyone did just everything exactly the same all the time because he happened to be a planner, I guess a planner or almost a community architect for a, a private development somewhere in Florida. Mm -hmm. And it just frustrated them because they had certain standards they had to abide by and rules they had to follow, and people would bring him stuff that was not fitting within any of those parameters. And he would just get so frustrated. 
but when he was stood up and said, I wish everyone would do it the same way, you, a collective gasp in the room, <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about? But of course, once you, you find out what it is he yeah. does, it sort yeah. of makes sense. It didn't but come out quite right. It didn't come yeah, out quite right. Yeah, you could probably right. feel his pain of frustration, mm -hmm. yeah. But we also got to hear from people who live in other states, some um, architect in California, talking about how sometimes it's going through nine separate committees just to get a renovation or an addition approved just to get to the a house. permit. Just to get the permit. And, yeah. and spending, instead of having the contractor do the permitting, they're spending time doing the permitting and hours and hours and hours. Well, it's review boards and things that are actually looking at the design, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, design. So the contractor can't really yeah. address that. Yeah. Well, I'm so. sure, you know, design, talking about, since it's California earthquake sure. issues oh, yeah. and whatever other particular picadillos come up. I think she was in San Francisco mm -hmm. practicing, and so I imagine there's a whole other layer on top oh, of everything yeah. else. But it was nice to see that, that there was a group just for us. Yeah, well, and I've been, I think I'm a member of the residential knowledge community on the online, and so I get the the digest of the mm -hmm. messaging mm -hmm. that goes on on the forums. Yeah. And it's pretty active, the residential folks that are in that group. Um, there's quite a bit of discussion going yeah. on, so that's well, good. Well, this, is, this, I think, should come up as a separate group. There's, they actually have their own website. It's aiacran.org. C-R-A-N.org. Mm -hmm. They're also having a symposium in Indianapolis in October, October 14th through 16th. And go to the AIACRAN.org website, and there'll be information there, and you can sign up. It's their fourth annual one, so they're, um, I guess, really getting into the swing of things. And yeah, they've got it's some pretty really exciting yeah, that they've been able to organize like that. Yeah, and they've got some really big names sponsoring them, so that helps a lot, too. Is there any sort of separate membership fees or no? It's just application part of the, or anything. You it's just, just part of the knowledge community. Get now. on there and join. That's yeah. great. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I think you, if you join from their website, okay. If you go Maybe to the, that's it, what I, I think if you do. go through the knowledge communities now, I don't think it's actually listed there yet because okay. they just pulled them into the national organization just this year. You just this year. Okay. So gotcha. go to the the aiacran.org and there'll be a place where you can click join. Cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Well, and I think the AIA maybe, and they've been a huge part of this, I'm guessing, is there seems to be more of an awareness on the AIA side, on the continuing education classes. Mm -hmm. I received an invitation to reply to a survey about, you know, exactly what do you need and what are, what is, what's sort of the demographics of your firm and how much residential are you doing? And so it was, felt like they were kind of reaching out and trying mm -hmm. to, get a good assessment of what kind of continuing education classes we might really be interested in. You know, yeah. do we want lead? Do we want um, aging topics? Do we want interiors? You know, it was just a huge list of, of potential topics. So that yeah. was kind of exciting to see them at least asking. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. interesting you bring that up because one of the people that stood up and was making comments and said it's really hard coming to the National Convention being a residential mm -hmm. architect because there aren't any classes for us. But it's great that they are actually reaching out and starting to ask those questions about how what what else mm -hmm. can we offer besides the general yeah general stuff. yeah when you make that much of an effort and expense to go to a national convention though I would I don't blame them oh, I mean, sure I would expect there to be something, something really useful something I don't want to have to assimilate every single topic and right. sort of abstractly right. apply it to what I'm doing. Right. Well, that's so. the that's the session I learned that something like eighty two percent of the AIA national members are small firms. Yeah. 
So how do you cater more to the small firm and less to the big firms and really give that kind of education that you need? Mm-hmm. It's great that they're reaching out. And, and it was, at the same time, it was a little frustrating to hear somebody say that because I went with the idea that I'm going to take what's interesting to me and figure out how to take that and move that mm-hmm. into uh, actually into our practice and how I conduct business. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the best part about Friday was, well, there was, <laughs> first of all, there was the tweet-up that I, I learned about because I was tweeting during the convention, which was a new thing for me. Yeah, and thank you, by the way, to all the people who did tweet because I, still being here, sitting here in Dallas, being very jealous that everyone was down <laughs> there, was following all of the tweets on Twitter with because there was a specific hashtag that was AIA 2011, and it was really easy just to kind of, with 140 characters, get a a little glimpse at what, what, was, going what was going on. So that was really fun. I appreciate everybody who did that throughout the conference. That yeah. was neat. Well, and it was interesting, too, because I guess it was the, the construction of the building and the fact that there were so many people in town, because not just the AIA convention was going on, Tulane was graduating. Oh, geez. So all those extra people. There were times that you had trouble getting connected and getting your stuff out <laughs> the because it would, were a little full. it would time out. Yeah, right. you'd be sitting in there going, in a tweet going, damn go, it. Go, go, go. And it was like, time out. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. But they had a tweet up on Saturday after, or Friday afternoon in the bar that was in the expo. Well, there like, you go. There's a bar inside the expo. Well, sure there is. Fine. It's New Orleans. <laughs> of course, there's going to be a bar inside the expo. I'm surprised there wasn't a whole line of daiquiri machines or something no, you know, I, yeah, at I the know. end of every aisle. I know. Surprising. <laughs> but when I went to the tweet-up, uh, our friend Andrew Hawkins with Hawkins Architecture in College Station. I guess they're, are they really, are they in College Station or Bryan? Oh, It's sort of all mixed in together. To me, it's like, it's Bryan College Station at one place. Right. Anyway, he told me about it. I had set, set aside some time, and, and he and I sat down and talked for a little bit before that. But he said, how are you going to the tweet-up? I'm like, what tweet-up? Huh? Huh? <laughs> so I went to the tweet-up, so thanks for, for doing that for me, Andrew. And it was fun. It was interesting to get to meet some of the other people that were tweeting. And I got to meet, probably met again, a woman from Minnesota, Heather West, who yeah. had come to our presentation last November. Yeah. I so, saw her tweeting. Yeah, so I got to talk with her, and it was fun. And, and we were able to share some of the, or I was able to share some of the information about the Architecture Happy Hour, what we're doing, how we're kind of trying to get the community involved or get architects out of their shell and into the yeah, idea of Yeah, not only the podcast, but our, our actual the networking actual happy group. Hour. Right, yeah. yeah. But that was a lot of fun, and they kicked us out at 4.15 because the expo technically closed at 4.00. So, well, you party animals. I know. It was an hour and 15 minutes, please. <laughs> Suddenly the lights started dimming. It's like, oh, time to go. <laughs> but I went from that to the LGBT Mixer, uh-huh. which they were hosting at a place called the Eiffel Society. Uh-huh. And it's actually a club that they built with components from the Eiffel Tower. When they were doing some renovation work uh, at the top of the Eiffel Tower, there's a restaurant they had a few screws and things left no, over I mean, after they put it back together. Because that, like like steel pieces. I know, I'm joking. Yeah. You know, like when you take apart a car. Yeah, you take apart a car, yes. Just take things left over. Just a couple things left over. I'm sure that gasket's not right, right, important. Right. Whatever, yeah. yeah. We'll just send it off. Couldn't figure out where that went back in. Yeah. Yeah. But they actually built, kinda wild. built this club with those components. And then 
to decorate it or to, to get the artwork that's inside of it, they had lock-in and locked in, I don't know how many local artists, for 30 days. Ah. Okay, that just smells, sounds very smelly. Well, (laughs) (laughs) they gave them a place to bathe. They gave them food, and of course they gave them drink. (laughs) And when they were done, they had these really unique pieces of art. Like a huge artist's charrette. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and actually there's one, one piece that looks like a... Almost like a giant bean bag, like this giant cushion thing, except it's all made out of these wood strips, these wood pieces. And it's not oh. unusual for somebody at some point during the evening to jump on it thinking it's <gasps> going to be soft, and it's not. That's happened more than once. Wow. That's some really unique pieces and really cool. Hmm. And it was a, a wonderful, wonderful event. We didn't get a big crowd. Uh, someone said that it wasn't as big as Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one one from Miami, they said you could walk from the hotel, and there's no way we were going to walk down to this thing from the yeah. from the convention center. But one of the great things was that I got to meet Pat Bailey with Out and Equal, which does workplace advocacy, ending discrimination and employment for the LGBT community. She and I got to talking, and I gave her my cards, talked to her about the happy hour, and she's connected us with local uh, Dallas chapter because they're having a workplace summit here in Dallas in October, so mm-hmm. keep your eye out because we're going to try to organize an event between the Architecture Happy Hour networking group, Out in Equal Dallas, the AIA Dallas, and probably the, the North Texas Chamber, and the GLBT Chamber, and try to get all of us maybe to sort of cross-pollinate and see yeah. what happens. and Texas Society of Architects. Yeah, try to get the, our state convention. Yeah, because the yeah. state convention's yeah. here. So those two things will be happening simultaneously. Yeah, Try to get everyone kind of cross pollinate. So cool. That was fun. That was fun. Of course, the well, begin they were very interested in well, what yeah, we were doing. Very interested. So that's neat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, that was the beginning of what would turn out to be a very rough night. And I went straight from there to the bar that we like to hang out in. And we didn't leave to go have dinner. Ever? Ever. (laughs) And we ended up... Did you have a liquid dinner We had a very liquid dinner there, (laughs) and it was not not a pretty thing. And we got back to the hotel about 12.30, and of course, the alarm's going off at 5, and I did not want to get out of bed. Yikes. Did not want to get out of bed. Of course, my partner James, who went with me, was not about to let me sleep in. Mm -mm. So, of course, I rolled out of bed and got ready and and went, and I made it. Made it to my 7 o'clock class, and... Got through the day, luckily enough. Wow. Yeah, it was it was it was one of those things. I knew I had to get up, and I should have stopped at probably about ten and gone and gotten something to eat, and then gone back and gone back to sleep. But you know, it's New Orleans. It's very <laughs> vibrant. It's very party kind of atmosphere. And suddenly, magically, it's midnight. And oh, where did the where did the evening go? Right. But the morning class on Saturday was really good too. So I'm glad I got up and, and went. It was all about interns and interning 101. Yeah. Basically how to, talking about creating a program for your interns, which is important for us because we can see ourselves within the next year probably starting to have to hire possibly some interns. And what does that mean for us? And how do we set a program? And what do we include in it? But it was really interesting. Yeah, because the, the interns of today compared to when a few years ago when mm-hmm. we were interns, um, their expectations are different 
Yeah, their expectations are a lot different. Yeah. Well, and I think there's also new ways that we can actually utilize them within the business. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be you were an intern, you sat there and you drew and you drew and you drew and you just churned out stuff. Right. But that dynamic is changing. It doesn't, yeah, that doesn't lend itself to be, to produce real holistically complete interns. Right. They're really good at drawing. And when I looked at my IDP credit hours, I had three times as many hours and construction documents as I needed compared to all the other categories where I struggled to get my hours complete. Yeah. And that's just not right. That's not what's what it's meant to do. No, it really so, should be a complete. Yeah, it's really nice to see some firms being progressive on um, trying to get, you know, offer opportunities for to, their interns yeah. to get. To grow. Know, yeah. To really to learn the business. Push their envelope. To really to push their envelope of sort of what they're comfortable with and also, um, you know, what they're expected to know. Yeah. Well, and seeing what, what can they contribute themselves back to the back yeah. to the firm. I actually ended up spending most of Saturday doing the expo. And walking, it was walking the expo because it was so big. Big, right? Yeah. yeah. And actually, I had to stop and get a bottle of water at some point because I'm like, okay, this is getting really long. And I walk, you know, went all the way to one end. Because the first day I came in and I started on like the exhibit hall D end and started working towards the middle and had to stop about, you know, three hours of walking and I was about a quarter of the way into the expo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when I went back, I went all the way to the other end where they had the architect Barbie display yes, set up. Which that was, was all the buzz. All on the Twitter. buzz, yes. The architect Barbie, <laughs> which was... You know, everyone has their own opinion about it, and the ne- the neat thing was that they were taking school children, school girls, and bringing them in in groups and talking to them about being an architect and what does it yeah. mean and having them do design stuff and draw, and so they could get some sense of this is a real possibility for you. Yeah, I think that part's pretty neat. Yeah, because the, the other fun statistics I heard um, during the convention was that the average AIA member is a 42-year-old white male. <laughs> and only thing I could think was, thank goodness I turned 43 on the 10th. So I'm no longer the average. You just don't like to be the average, Yeah, I just do don't you? like to be the average. But, <laughs> but that that's the truth. It really is. Yeah. It's a very male-dominated It's very apparent profession. when you go to any of these conferences, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And But it's changing. But it's changing. Yeah, and, and it's slowly. great to show these younger girls that this is a real possibility, even mm-hmm. if you don't agree with the whole Barbie thing, just bringing them in and, and teaching them and showing them and saying this is a real possibility mm-hmm. was pretty cool and there were lots I mean there was some really huge displays there were some tiny displays that were still I actually asked somebody how much they spent for their space and it was like tiny 10 foot by 10 foot space cost them four grand I thought and then, of course then you walk by like one of the really big companies Massive. and they got this giant display and you're like holy cow they spent yeah. a fortune but yeah, they probably had to have a semi to bring in all oh, the yeah. parts and pieces. And yeah, well, the the Asa Abloy, the hardware or, uh, hardware door people, they were keep acquiring companies, but uh-huh. this big conglomerate, they just drove their RV in. They oh have an RV that they gosh. use for showing product stuff. And they just had it, drove it in and parked it right there on the expo floor. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but it was pretty cool. It was, there was a lot of neat. Uh, fun new products, some interesting software that's out there that we didn't know about that we're going to mm-hmm. have to check out. So that was, a, that was a fun Saturday. And the best part is, is I wore shorts. <laughs> I wore shorts and tennis shoes. And I actually saw somebody comment on Twitter that, did I really just see someone in shorts? 
like yeah really. this is the most casual ai conference i've seen yeah i yeah, saw that one too yeah i'm like okay it's new orleans be happy people have on pants <laughs> <laughs> you know we yeah. spent we spent two days being very professional and looking very professional and you know what right this is the last day <laughs> it's time to relax it's saturday it's for saturday you know the the conference is ending let's just take a chill pill and right just go you know my wearing shorts is not going to make me learn any less right having 20 <laughs> beers and that before will make me learn less but no no no, no. um that might affect that things. might affect a few things yeah. so uh anyway but it was it was like i said it was a great great convention and for that to be my first national convention yeah was fun. exciting and then of course we stayed a couple of days afterwards just for fun and I got back home on Monday, uh-huh. and then back to work on Tuesday. Just back to the grind. But <laughs> it's it's great to be back. And we had it's our not a grind. Well, you know, come on, I mean. Larry. Then we had the architecture happy hour meetup. Yeah, that Wednesday. went really well. It went Wednesday. really well. We had a really good turnout, and we're look like looks like we're doing the next one in downtown Dallas. We mm-hmm. still working that out. So if you're in Dallas and you want to come, please be sure to check us out at meetup.com. The architecture happy hour. Join the group, and you'll get regular updates. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can always find us on the web at hpdarch.com. And Laura's on Twitter as hpdarchitecture, uh-huh. and I'm on Twitter as archhappyhour. So if you want to follow our tweets and find out what we're up to and what's going on here in Dallas, please do. I guess that's all for now, really. We'll hopefully get back to a more interesting topic next time. But we wanted to give you guys a recap of what yeah. went on. If you, if you didn't get the chance to go and... In the meantime, we'll sign off for now. I'm Larry. And I'm Laura. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.